Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of This Week in the World of Football. This is episode number 298 for May 30th, 2023. I am your host, Randy Snow. On this week's show, Antonio Brown, surprise, surprise, did not suit up for the Albany Empire this week, and a major college football rivalry game gets moved to Black Friday at a neutral site. In this week's history lesson, we go back to the 1980s to tell the story of quarterback Steve Young and his $40 million lifetime contract in the USFL. But I'm not here by myself. Across the table from me, as always, is my son, Adam. Yeah, a little different setup today. We're just doing some stuff behind the scenes here. You guys won't notice it at home listening in your earbuds or whatever. We're sitting at weird angles. We are <laughs> sitting at weird angles, but we're, we're doing some video testing for some stuff down the road, yeah. and uh, we figured we'd give it a try today. Yeah. So it does sound different, that's why. <laughs> Even though I don't think it makes a lick of difference that we're kind of sitting next to each other as opposed it, to looking dead on. It should It should be fine, <laughs> I hope. I hope so, too. We come to you each week from the fabulous World of Football Man Cave, located right here in the center of the football world, Kalamazoo, Michigan. We're here to promote the game of football in all its many forms, past, present, and future. Our goal is to educate, inform, and entertain our listeners with the glorious buffet that is the world of football. All this while keeping a close eye on the rich history of the game. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on one of our many platforms, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. So you can simply ask your Alexa device to play the World of Football podcast. You can also find our podcast in its full audio form on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, I should say. Uh, that is uh, youtube.com slash at the world of football, uh, as well as other selected videos you'll find there, like a couple of shorts we did this week. We did uh, one for our top five helmets of the original USFL back in uh, the 1980s and uh, the modern era helmets, yeah. which uh, there are some differences in some of them. Some yeah. are good, some are bad, and then we let you know which ones are our top five. And then uh, another one that we posted just the other day was uh, a little thank you video to our now 400 subscribers that yeah. we have on our YouTube channel. Yeah, very exciting stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, we've come a long way since February. I yeah, mean, man. Uh, uh, we, we've had this YouTube page for a few years, yeah. but uh, it's only been since we started posting videos we've been getting more followers all the on, time on a, so. on a more regular basis. So you know that's yeah. why we're trying to we're trying new things. We're trying to, <laughs> you know, even though Randy's kicking and screaming the whole time yeah. doing half of this stuff, but uh -huh. I think he's enjoying some of it. But some of he it won't is. ever admit it to you. Some of it, yes. What are you enjoying the most then? <laughs> you liking the shorts, aren't you? It's short, sweet. Yes. I'm getting a lot of bloopers out of it. I mean, what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that might not come to bite him in the butt later. Yeah, after I'm gone. <laughs> so let's begin today's show with Adam and the World of Football scoreboard. That's right. And how many games do we have this week? 20 games this 20. week. 20. How did we jump back up to 20? Well, Randy's got a lot of explaining to do later on. Later on, I'll explain. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who were listening last week, Randy said he wouldn't do something, and then he turned around and did it this week. <laughs> All right, but we're going to start off with the USFL. It was week seven in that spring league there. In Saturday night, there was a doubleheader, which uh, the first game saw the Birmingham Stallions, the defending USFL champions, defeat the New Orleans Breakers 24-20. to The Stallions uh, quarterback Alex Magoo completed 16 passes for 176 yards and a touchdown. He also ran seven times for 22 yards and an additional touchdown on top of that. Breakers quarterback McLeod Bethel-Thompson completed 24 passes for 279 yards and a touchdown during the game. 
Then on uh, the second of the doubleheader on Saturday, saw the Philadelphia Stars defeat the Pittsburgh Maulers 37-31. to What a game that ended up being. Stars quarterback Case Cook has completed 18 passes for 235 yards and two touchdowns, while Maulers quarterback Troy Williams completed 18 passes for 145 yards and a touchdown. And I believe there was a couple of big play highlights from this game. Uh, kickoff return for a touchdown, which was really awesome to see. I think that was like an 88-yarder. I could be wrong. Yeah, I didn't see a whole lot of highlights from this weekend. Oh, I saw I saw quite a few. There's some good stuff this weekend. I, I watched the upcoming Michigan games you're going to talk about. Oh. Uh, for the other games, I didn't see much of any of them. Okay, well, then let's jump on over to Sunday, which had another doubleheader. Sunday first started with the Memphis Showboats defeating the Houston Gamblers 23-20. to Memphis quarterback Cole Kelly completed 12 passes for 146 yards and two touchdowns, while Gamblers quarterback Kenji Bahar completed 18 passes for 216 yards, but no touchdowns. And how about them showboats? After starting 0-3, they have won four straight games and put themselves in the playoff conversation with three weeks left. Yeah, it's uh, everybody's doing this. Everybody's uh, either on a winning streak or a losing streak right now. In the USFL. Mm, well, that's teams, usually how it goes. Teams, it's, No, I'm talking, you know, multiple games, winning streak or losing Well, streak. quite a few, too. I was going to say, there's one in particular that is definitely not on a long winning streak. They just snapped a losing streak. Yeah, but, and, I mean, a lot of teams started out good or bad, yeah. and now all of a sudden everything's flip-flopped, so the losing teams are now winning, and winning teams are losing. Yeah, by no means will these standings probably look the way they look right now in three no. weeks. They, they could be all back, <laughs> backwards yep. by then. Yep. All right, and then finally Sunday, the game Randy watched. The Michigan Panthers defeated the New Jersey Generals 25-22, to getting revenge from their game that kind of started their losing streak, to be honest with you. Yeah, the game we were at. Yeah, the game we were at. <laughs> uh, so the Panthers snapped that four-game losing streak. Uh, quarterback Josh Love completed 16 passes for the Panthers for 264 yards and three touchdowns and also earned himself Offensive Player of the Week again. Uh, and then wide receiver for Michigan, Joe Walker, Caught five passes for 121 yards and a touchdown. Generals quarterbacks, that's right, plural, Kyle Luletta and DeAndre Johnson combined to complete 18 passes for 201 yards and three touchdowns. So tell me about this game. I missed this one. Well, yeah, it, uh, Michigan was playing much better. I mean, all season it's long. It's because they weren't at Ford Field. That's probably it why. Could be, yeah. This was in Canton, I believe, yeah. Uh, but, no... The Panthers finally were able to put some drives together. Uh, it just seemed like every time they get any kind of momentum, uh, they'd be getting balls knocked down at the line of scrimmage by the defense or the wide receivers were just dropping wide open passes. They finally put some drives together where the receivers were catching some great passes. Um, Josh Love was firing that ball in there and they were able to hang on to him this time. Uh, some passes still got batted down in the game, but... Uh, you know, when it, when he needed to, he found a lane, he got the pass completed, and uh, they got big chunks of yards and scored three touchdowns yeah. out of it. I mean, last time when we saw the uh, Panthers play the Generals, the Generals could do no wrong in the running game. Right. Like they, it yeah. seems like they could, they'd hit every hole and they'd get big chunks of yardage. Yep. Um, so clearly, I mean, the Panthers' defense stepped up a little bit here. Uh, still a close game, but yes. at least, you know, you come out on top. They at least didn't look as inept as they ended up looking when we were there. Yeah, the Generals had their chance to win in the closing minutes, but uh, they couldn't uh, couldn't convert on a fourth down, I think. Mm. And, uh, uh, yeah, just just couldn't, couldn't quite do it, so Michigan hung on for the win. Gotcha. All right, and then we're moving on to the USFL standings. So in the North Division, as we stand after seven weeks, the Philadelphia Stars sit at the top with a 4-3 record. 
followed by the Michigan Panthers in the second spot with a 3-4 record. The New Jersey Generals fall to 2-5, and, and the Pittsburgh Maulers sit in 2-5 and in the North Division again. Right In the South Division, the Birmingham Stallions sit at the top with a 5-2 record. The Memphis Showboats technically in the second seed right now with a 4-3 record. The New Orleans Breakers slipped to 3 with a 4-3 record, and the Houston Gamblers with a 4-3 record. So at least... The teams in the South all above 500. Yep. Uh, the North, uh, not so much. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, all the teams in the South are within one game of, of the leader. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, still, nobody's been eliminated. It's anybody's, no, no. you know, anybody's uh, division at this point. Yeah, three so, three weeks to go, and uh, it's, it's anybody's race. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things shake up down the line. All right, moving on to the Indoor Football League. It was week 11 there. There was a doubleheader on Friday, the first of which saw the Sioux Falls Storm defeat the Iowa Barnstormers in, uh, a, I'd say, rousing fashion, but it was a, pretty much a beatdown, 77-26. to 26. Then uh, the second of the doubleheader on Friday saw Quad City, the Steam Wheelers, defeat the Green Bay Blizzard in a close game, 63-56. to 56. That must have been a fun game to be at, man. Should have been. I mean, that, that, those two teams seem to have a decent rivalry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah, they're not the too far from each other. And, yep. and, uh, former yeah, former arena football yep. uh, two teams. Yep. So, you know, probably some bad blood there. <laughs> All right, then in a uh, quintuple header on Saturday, the Massachusetts Pirates started things off by defeating the Tulsa Oilers in another close game, 54-48. to The Frisco Fighters got the best of the San Diego Strike Force, 70-56. to The Duke City Gladiators took out the defending, reigning, Indoor Football League champion Northern Arizona Wranglers by a touchdown, 47-40. to The Bay Area Panthers squeaked by the Tucson Sugar Skulls, 44-42. to And then the Arizona Rattlers got a convincing win over the Vegas Nighthawks, 63-39. to Yeah, out of all those games, you know, uh, what is it, uh, eight games? Yep. Eight games. Uh, Seven six, games? Six of them, well, one, two, three. Seven four, games. Seven games. Uh, five of them were, were fairly close, yeah. a touchdown or less, and the other two were blowouts, the first and last one we talked about. Yeah, I mean, other yeah, other than Sioux Falls getting that big win and Arizona yeah. getting that big win, if you attended any of those other games, I'm sure they were at least you know, fun to be at within a couple scores of each other. I think right. the only one that was, everything else was like within a score except mm-hmm. for the Frisco Fighters game in that one. That was like a 14-point difference. But, I mean, shoot, still, the Indoor Football League plays good, fun, competitive football. I always like to check them out on YouTube whenever I get a chance, so... That's the whole the whole thing about uh, arena and indoor games is that they always go down to the last possession. It, it does. You like. never leave one of those games no, early. No, so many things can happen. Yeah, and it's, you you don't leave at halftime because somebody's up by twenty points. That means nothing. I mean, truthfully, in a lot of cases, you should never leave a football game early unless you're uh, watching like an outdoor game and it's just very evident that you know you're down by forty points. Yeah, that that's a lot harder to come back from. But yeah, two or three possessions, especially in indoor football. Anything can happen, but then you have like the XFL and USFL, which have the nine-point play. Even then, a couple possessions can be quickly turned around. You know, yeah. the game could be completely different, and we've seen that happen multiple times this year alone. So, never leave a football game early. Just say that. I mean, they they always seem to come down to the end. You know, at least that final quarter, get your money's worth. Right. All right, then we're gonna throw it over to Randy, who's gonna start tackling uh, champions indoor football. Yes, the CIF. This was week thirteen. It was the end of their regular season already. Uh, they had two games on Saturday. Uh, the first game saw the Omaha Beef finish the season with a 10-0 and record, undefeated, over the Sioux City Bandits by the score of 44-15. And in the second game, it was the Salina Liberty over the Gillette Mustangs, 43-41. So a very close game there. 
uh, on by in the final week were the Billings Outlaws, Rapid City Marshals, Topeka Tropics, and the Southwest Kansas Storm. So looking at the final standings for the 10-week season of the CIF, you had the Omaha Beef at 10-0, Salina Liberty at 8-2, the Gillette Mustangs at 7-3, the Billings Outlaws at 6-4, the Sioux City Bandits at 5-5, the Southwest Kansas Storm at 3-7, the Topeka Tropics at 1-9, and, and the Rapid City Marshals at 0-10. So those last two teams, Topeka and Rapid City, are the only ones that didn't make the playoffs. So t- six teams made the playoffs. The top two seeds have a bye this week. And so next week, you're going to have a game on Saturday, June 3rd, and it's going to be the Southwest Kansas Storm at 3-7, and seven, traveling to the Gillette Mustangs at 7-3. and three. And then they have a Monday night game, on June 5th, and it's going to be the Sioux City Bandits at 5-5, five and five, traveling to the Billings Outlaws at 6-4 and four for that playoff game. And as I said, Omaha and Salina have a bye, and they will play the winners of those two games. Wow, okay. So, man, one, one of those teams at 3-7 and seven getting in the playoffs. Yeah. We, we complain a lot about teams under 500 yeah. getting in. Yep. Goodness gracious. Yep. Okay, and then finally, moving on to the National Arena League. This was week 8 for the NAL. On Saturday, they had two games. The West Texas Warbirds defeated the Orlando Predators 41-34. And the other game on Saturday saw the Fayetteville Mustangs defeat the Albany Empire 49-27. Albany lost their fifth game in a row. And surprise, surprise, Albany Empire owner Antonio Brown did not suit up and play for the team as was talked about all last week. Uh, he was listed as inactive for the game. You sent me a video yeah. from a local Albany TV station where the local reporter talked to Antonio Brown, I think, either before or after the game. Yeah. And uh, and Antonio said that, uh, uh, what was it, he didn't get his uh, physical his cleared, physical in, time, cleared yeah. in time with the with the league office. He says, you Very can't, likely you story. You can't just go out there and play. you got to be approved by the league, and they've got to have their say, and you got to pass then, the physical. Then, and, then why were you touting this for a week? Yeah. I mean, the attendance apparently was up by 2,000 people from their right. average well, he attendance. Suckered, he suckered 2,000 people into coming out for the game, yeah. uh, hoping to see him play. Uh, which I'm sure was good for their attendance. Well, I'm sure it was, but man, uh, to to make that promise, but then if you knew, I still got to get a physical in, and you know, before I, I probably should get that all figured out first before well, I start got saying a lot I'm on his mind as the sole owner of the team. You know, that's an understatement. He's probably got a lot in that weird skull of his. But man, what a I don't know. I feel bad for those fans. I feel bad. Because it's clear, like we've been to Albany before. That well, they, that, they that town that embraced that yes, team when they, they came. Love that team. They won a uh, arena bowl, yep. and then they've won a couple NAL championships. Yep. So they they have rallied and loved that team. And what we have seen happen in six weeks, you know, yeah. eight weeks now with this team, like they won the opening week. But I mean, to lose your head coach at the start of the season, then lose your interim coach. Now they're on their third coach. I thought it was the same head coach. Apparently, it's a different coach who had yeah, midweek, midweek, midweek to in. prepare for this game this weekend. It's just it is a uh, dookie show over there <laughs> in Albany right now. And could he still suit up? Maybe. I'm a little inclined to believe. Yeah, maybe there's a physical involved. Well, he's saying that he'll be suiting up at the next home game, which I think is in two weeks. Okay. Well. He better get his physical done by then because, I mean, there was a video of him practicing in a helmet and everything. Oh, I didn't see that. That was part of that video. Okay. I, um, I don't remember seeing Maybe that. you didn't watch the full thing, but yeah, there's video of him in an Albany Empire helmet practicing catching balls. So we'll see. I'm not going to sit here and say he's not going to do it. I'm still thinking it. he he'll might find an excuse, Yeah. but I it could be another one of those. He says he's going to do it. He's all set up to do it, even if he gets his physical, and then 2,000 extra fans show up, and he's just, yeah, I ain't feeling it tonight. <laughs> 
And then finally, uh, on Sunday, there was one last game for the weekend. The Jacksonville Sharks defeated the San Antonio Gunslingers by the score of 70-43. to 43. Uh, The first loss of the season for San Antonio. They were uh, 5-0, and I believe. And uh, so they suffered their first loss of the season. And on by were the Carolina Cobras in the NAL. So uh, that's it for the indoor leagues. And, and that should be it for the scoreboard. But yeah, here's week, where you got some splaining to do. Last week I said I wasn't going to talk about any CFL preseason scores. Yep. We have, the, we have it on record. I, I got looking at the scores and I thought, what the heck? I'm going to throw these in there. So I You have got greedy. You just wanted to say we had 20 games to talk yeah. about. <laughs> but... Uh, the week two of the preseason, uh, they had uh, four games over the weekend. On Friday night, it was the Montreal Alouettes over the Ottawa Red Blacks, 22-21. to 21. That's a very close game. Uh, on Saturday, a triple header. It was the Hamilton Tiger Cats over the Toronto Argonauts, 27-22. to 22, Another close game. Um, also on Saturday, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers over the Edmonton Elks, 25-23. to 23, Another close game. And finally, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders over the BC Lions on Saturday, 30 to 27. All four of those games were very, very close. Yeah. Uh, what, four point difference in one and, and three in the others? And yeah. One point in one. And the Calgary Stampeders had a had a bye week. But um, yeah, I'll, I've got something I'm going to talk about when we get into the CFL news portion. But, oh. uh, uh, but yeah, I just thought, what the heck? I mean, it's CFL. We love the CFL. And uh, so why not throw out a few scores? They've got one more week of preseason and then. Uh, uh, like a week from Thursday, the regular season kicks off. So it's 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 CFL time. I don't know. I I just think you know you're pulling your own Antonio Brown over there, saying I'm not going to do something, and then you go into it. You're the opposite of Antonio Brown. So a little yes, more. Yes, stable. I am the opposite. So yeah, you I'm, are. I'm I'm glad you said that. And that's it for this week's World of Football scoreboard. All right, let's go move on to some uh, NFL news. Uh, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office has informed the Washington Red Redskins. Nope. <laughs> Wow, put a dollar in the jar. The Washington Commanders, uh, that their application for a trademark has been denied, at least for now. Uh, They have two objections, or two things that they need to investigate more before they uh, approve uh, any trademark. Uh, The first objection is the fact that the annual Army Air Force game is billed as the Commander's Classic. I don't see where that's got anything to do with it. I mean, that's the name uh, of a game, not an yeah, organization. Yeah, uh, I don't even think I can't tell you at the top of my head if I've ever heard it referred to as the Commander's no, Classic. No, I, I it's follow, like brand new to me. I follow the Air, uh, Air Force quite a bit uh, on the football field, and I've never heard of the Commander's Classic. So I don't know where they're pulling that out from. But uh, yeah, that makes no sense to me. But then the second objection was due to two uh, two trademarks filed by a Northern Virginia resident, Martin Mc. Macaulay? No. I'd say Macaulay. Macaulay? Yeah, maybe Macaulay. It's spelled really funny. Martin Macaulay. I think it's spelled normal and fine. Who started trademarking potential names when the likelihood of a a renaming of the team started to increase. So he's one of those guys that went out there and just started grabbing trademarks. I feel like we talked about that a while back when that was all happening. So the fact that he's got the trademark on it is is another thing that's keeping him from... uh, Authorized. If that's right the now. case, why why was this team allowed to use the name and then sell merch and well, put all that stuff out there? If there was no trademark to begin with, yeah, there's there's all kinds of stuff here. Hey, I'm no um, trade. I mean, if anybody's an expert in that, please inform me. I'm very curious. <laughs> uh, Macaulay's representative, some guy by the name of Darren Heitner, wrote that Macaulay 
will step aside in exchange oh, of for a contribution to a charity that offers scholarships to Native Americans. Oh, what a twist. That definitely was a... They had me in the first half. That yeah. second half, okay, you know what? What? A, <laughs> I'm into that. Yeah, so he's he's holding this name hostage now to, to get what We figured that would be the motive. I mean, obviously yeah. we all thought it'd be greedy, greedy, give me millions of dollars, yeah. uh, but I, that's a nice spin on it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the final thing here on this subject, uh, trademark attorney Josh Gerben, who uh, first broke the story, told the Washington Post that he ultimately believes the name Commanders will be approved. And I got all this information from an article out of the uh, Richmond Times-Dispatch. Oh, okay. So that's where my information is coming from this week. Gotcha. So, so this is kind of a temporary thing. Yeah, there, there's a few bumps in the road, but I think eventually they'll sort all this out. It may take... A year, two years, yeah, whatever. But uh, I think the commander's name will be approved eventually. But right now, it's at a standstill. Maybe. Or does the new ownership, when they get locked in, do they start looking at changing the name again? Oh, yeah. There you go. That's. I mean, that's another thing that God, could I happen. I hope not. <laughs> We've been through this long national nightmare once. I don't think we need to do it again. I don't know. We'll see what the ownership does. If this, if this becomes more of a headache than it sounds like, I'm sure it will just be a, yeah, sure, we'll donate a couple million dollars to this, you know, make a charity or whatever. Right. Uh, scholarship and then right. you know then it's done and then you get your trademark i'm sure there's other stuff that would go into it that maybe they wouldn't have to like i don't know uh but it'll be interesting to see when this is finally all resolved that we can just move on they're going to drag this out for oh probably years to come but eventually it's going to happen it's just going to take some time i think all right the other nfl story that we had this week wide receiver deandre hopkins is released by the arizona cardinals the 10-year veteran uh Played his first seven seasons with the Houston Texans and his last three in Arizona with the Cardinals. He has over 11,000 receiving yards and a 13.2 yard per catch average. Uh, he would have been a $30 million cap hit if he had stayed with the team this yeah. year. So I'm sure that's why they got rid of him. But, but, but yeah, big by, but cutting, here. by cutting Hopkins, the Cardinals only saved about $7.39 million in cap space and they're going to end up having to take a $22.6 million cap hit in dead money towards the upcoming season. So yeah, they saved so some, some money. Well, they had to save $7 million. But, man, what a what a loss, though. Now he's a free agent, and now it's scary to feed, you know, to whoever he lands with. Like, clearly, we there's teams that would be good fits that I don't think have the cap space for him, like the Bills, and I don't know if the Chiefs have the money to do it. Uh then there's a team, you know, like the Lions, who are kind of a dark horse. You know, I mean, some people think that would be a great fit, but I, it's not like one of the top five names you hear people buzzing about. Yeah. One I'm scared about, and we'll see if this comes to fruition, is the Baltimore Ravens. Mm. You package him up uh, and put him across from Odell Beckham Jr. Ho hopefully a healthy and still in his prime Odell Beckham. We'll see how he actually performs for the money he's getting. And then... Uh, Lamar Jackson, like that could be a scary offense right there. You pair them up. I mean, anywhere DeAndre Hopkins goes, he's going to automatically boost that roster up. I don't think like the Jets could afford to pay him right now after getting yeah. Aaron Rodgers. But I mean, there might be a few other teams out there that could surprise us, but we'll see. As long as it's not the Cowboys, <laughs> as long as it's not the Bills or Chiefs, you know what? I say bring it on. I, I'm very curious where DeAndre Hopkins will land. Well, whoever is going to pick him up is going to pay for him. Oh, yeah. That's so what I, don't I, think, I don't think Detroit is going to put that kind of money into a wide receiver at this, I, maybe, at maybe this time not. anyway. Maybe, maybe not, but it makes sense. You know, uh, Jamal, uh, not Jamal Williams, uh, Jamison Williams is out for six weeks. Right. 
you you insert a DeAndre Hopkins and you get a lot out of him. I'm not saying like they would bench him after JMO comes back, but you get him, like say you just sign him for a one year deal, pay him the maximum amount of money you can, like an 18, 19 million dollars for one season. Come in, let's see if we can't, you know, be one of the most explosive offenses in football and take the division and see where we go in the playoffs. Like I I think that'd be very uh fascinating. I mean, not just because I'm a Lions fan. I just think that that, that offense is potentially one of the scariest offenses behind the chiefs and, and uh, Buffalo bills like in the Eagles. I mean, this, this is the top, that would be a top five offense automatically with Deandre Hopkins at wide receiver. And they already got a great wide receiving course. So it's not like everything would be on him. They'd have a lot of threats. So yeah. we'll see. I don't think it'll actually happen. I'm going to put that out there. <laughs> it will not happen probably, but man, if it did, I I'm going to lose my, I'm going to lose my gourd. <laughs> Yeah, you don't have a lot to lose there. Oh, you, can't, you can't afford to lose. No. I'm Randy. I got jokes. <laughs> yeah, and you're one of them. Oh, uh, let's see. Going wow. to uh, CFL news. He thinks he's so <laughs> clever. Uh, CFL news. I watched some of the Toronto Hamilton game uh, on- online. This is news. Yes, uh, I don't remember seeing this on Bleacher Report or Pro Football I Talk. To, I wanted to see headline: the Randy Snow watches CFL game for the ten thousandth time. I mainly wanted to see the new Argos uniforms, and when you know, I realized I could watch online for a little while, I did. It took me a while to log in. You know, you could in. find the pictures of their uniforms online. Yeah, but it's not the same as watching them live on TV. So, again, I, I logged in through my phone, and I was able to cast it to the TV, so I got to see it on the on my big 55-inch TV. Your and, big... Uh, wow, in what world yeah. is 55-inch TV big? It's big in my house. 80 inches or bust, <laughs> baby. But, uh, no, they I, I like them. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent behind them. You know, it's, I'm still getting used to it, but I did like the way they looked on the field and mm. the, the team running around, um, uh, you know, the, the dark blue numbers and the, the light blue helmet now and, and everything. Uh, once I get used to it, I'll, I'll be all in. There is something to be said when teams come out with new uniforms, it's like one thing to see them displayed on a stage where it's another to see them at least on TV or in person and just act actual gameplay, you know, right. running around doing the normal thing and. Yeah, they look fine. Yeah, no problem with them. Like, I had a little bit of worry with it being all powder blue, but it looked good. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah Arizona got... Cardinals. On the other hand, we'll see. I'm still waiting to see you guys in the preseason. Yeah, like I talked about last week, uh, you, you log in uh, to this uh, CFL Plus through the uh, CFL.ca website, and uh, it, it took me two or three tries. I don't know what was going on, but uh, I was finally able to to get in uh, after the third try. Oh, the other. Uh, other Randy Snows out there trying to watch a CFL game, you know. From yeah, a lot of, of lot of guys in in the U.S. trying to yeah. watch a CFL game that day. A that's, probably what, that's probably what was preseason happening. game, by the way. Yeah, that's why I felt it was important to list those CFL scores on uh-huh. our uh, rundown today. Just to come back to this, gotcha. <laughs> but no, I, I I checked them out and uh, not bad, not bad in person. Pictures pictures are one thing, but you got to see them uh, live on the field, and I did so. And you finally saw cool. the you finally saw the oars on the the shoulders, right? Yes. You, 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 when they logged in, or logged when in. you logged when in. they when they zoomed in uh, on the players in the huddle, yes, you could see the oars. Uh, on okay, the I know it took you a while. You're like, I, I don't see what you're talking about. Yeah, from a distance you can't even see them, but when All you right. get up close, yeah, then you, you can see that they're there. So yeah, so nice uniforms. All right, moving on to a little bit of college news. Uh, it was announced this past week that uh, a game between Penn State and Michigan State is going to be uh, played at Ford Field on Black Friday this year. Uh, you know, we talked about the NFL Black Friday games. Right. Uh, but there's also going to be a college game that day. Now, here in the state of Michigan, uh, 
Uh, that Friday, that Black Friday is normally when uh, half of the eight high school championship games are played at Ford Field. So in order to accommodate this Penn State-Michigan game, they have moved the Michigan high school championship games to Saturday and Sunday as opposed to Friday and Saturday. So you're going to have four games in four divisions on one day and the other four the other day, uh, which is going to make it kind of hard for the teams that have to play those last couple of games on Sunday, depending on how far they've got to go right. to get home. You know, this is Sunday night, and they're playing, you know, get, they got a game starting at 8 o'clock at night, and they got to be to school the next day, plus that bus ride all night long to get home. I mean, if they're from the Detroit area, it's probably not a big deal. But, you know, if it's somebody from up north, right, you know, where the, it's going to be a the west side of the six, state. seven hour drive to get uh, home on a school bus in the middle of the night, um, yeah. <laughs> Around Thanksgiving, yeah, there could be a couple of feet of snow up in the UP to get home. It could be, yeah. I mean, that, I just think that's, I mean, I didn't see this coming. You know? No, I didn't either. Uh, now, I mean, now Ford Field, I mean, a Lions Thanksgiving game on Thursday. Yep. Then this Penn State-Michigan State game, one of the, I mean. It's a big what, rivalry. It's a big rivalry. I was almost going to say one of the greatest rivals, but I mean, Penn State, they'll pack that stadium out no matter what. So, like, seeing those whiteout games is really cool. But now making it a neutral site game. And forgive me for not having in front of me the history of this game, you know, back and forth. But the fact that they're giving up home field for one team or the other and doing a neutral site is very interesting. Yeah, I didn't see this from what I was reading, uh, but I'm assuming that this was going to be a Michigan State home game. Oh, so maybe that, State That's just my, th my thought. I don't know. I don't know if this was going to be a Michigan State home game or a Penn State home game. But either way, um, I think... Uh, you know, having it indoors where the weather isn't going to be a factor. Uh, you know, I think Penn State fans will travel quite well oh, I'm sure to, to come here be that be indoors and, and uh, taking a game like this. You know, and like I said, we talked about uh, NFL games on Black Friday, and now all of a sudden college wants a game that day. So I don't know if this is going to become an annual thing where every year somebody's going to get a Black Friday college game. And if it's, uh, you know, if it's at Ford Field every year, this is going to really mess up uh, the high school championship games, which I guess they agreed to do this on a one-time basis to move the the high school championship games um, to Saturday and Sunday. I, I don't know. But I just think that now that they've done it once, they're going to do it again, especially if the ratings are good, if the numbers are good, and the attendance is good. Uh, yeah, somebody's going to be playing at Ford Field probably every year from now on, whether it's hmm. Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, whoever. You know, it'll be a Big Ten team, you know, maybe a couple of Big Ten teams like this maybe. year, or it could be, you know, a Big Ten and a, a Pac-12 team. Who knows? Yeah, who knows but, what they'll do. Yeah, I think I think you this may become the norm instead of the one-time thing, seeing a game at Ford Field on uh, the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mean, that that's... Just in the state of Michigan alone, then on Saturday, you're going to have, just down the road, at the big house, I believe Michigan will have a big game that weekend, too. Mm. I don't know if that's the Ohio State game or not, but yeah, I, I have know. to look at the date. I mean, usually state plays Penn State the last week of the season. So that would make me think that it's got to be Michigan-Ohio State, but that game would be down in, no, they won in Columbus, so it would be up in Michigan this year. So right. that could be a big week. That's a big weekend of football yeah. in the state of Michigan right yeah. there. Uh, yeah, your internet crapped out, so I can't connect and well, fact check. I don't that. think they would ever move the uh, uh, Michigan Ohio State game. To no, 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 they wouldn't because they'd be losing forty thousand fans. Yeah, know? no, that that's definitely not what I'm saying. Right. I'm just saying, like, just in, for the state in general, that right. is going to be yes, incredibly like 
you're a Lions fan, you get Thursday. You're a Michigan State fan, you get Friday. You're a Michigan fan, you get Saturday. Mm. So, like, yeah. and if you're kind of riding the fence like we do, like, we like all those teams. We root for all our Michigan yep. football teams in the state. Um, it's a big weekend. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw that lineup, and I was like, what? We are going to be drowning in football glory that weekend. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that <laughs> at all. I love it. Okay, um, let's see. We're going to move on to today's birthdays. April, or I'm sorry, <laughs> this is May. May 30th, running back Gail Sayers, also known as the Kansas Comet, uh, was born on this date in 1943. He died in 2020 at the age of 77. Uh, he played his college football at Kansas, of course. Selected with the fourth overall pick in the 1965 NFL Draft by the Chicago Bears. But, you may not know this, he was also selected with the fifth overall pick in the 1965 American Football League draft by the Kansas City Chiefs. Can you imagine Gale Sayers going to the Kansas City no, Chiefs? No, I can't. After, after he played in Kansas? I mean, that makes sense. You know, he was a big star in Kansas. Um, so, yeah, but just uh, seeing him in a, a Kansas City Chiefs uniform would just... Uh, this know, doesn't I, sound I can't right. imagine that. <laughs> no. But... Uh, uh, he played seven seasons, all with the Bears, from 1965 to 1971. Injuries hen- ended his playing career, which was uh, off to a, a just a heck of a start. What's that one game when he had, uh, oh gosh, uh, five touchdowns? In was one it six game? touchdowns? I think it was six touchdowns. Yes, he returned like a turned up turned a punt, and uh, you know just had some incredible runs, and I think he even caught one for a touchdown. Uh, just an incredible game. Um, but, uh, yeah, he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1977 uh, after only seven seasons. Yeah. You know, uh, normally, you, you don't see guys with seven years in the NFL getting into the Hall of Fame. That just Gale goes to show you how... was the exception, yeah. and he deserved it. Yes. Yeah. Go, go check out some Gale Sayers highlights if you are not familiar with his uh, career. All right, we do have one obituary to talk about this week. This is where we take a moment to honor those who've made the world of football a better place. Our lone uh, obituary this week is that of Jim Copeland, a defensive back and kick returner in the Canadian Football League for nine seasons, has passed away at the age of 84. Copeland played college football at the University of Utah. He played for the Montreal Alouettes in 1960 and was then traded to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, where he played from 1961 to 1964. He finished his playing career with the Toronto Argonauts from 1965 to 1968. Copeland was inducted into the Windsor slash Essex County Sports Hall of Fame in 1998. All right, uh, anything else that we want to talk about uh, that, that you've seen pop up on your phone? Before no, we nothing, on? nothing big. We're kind of in that weird uh, lull when it comes to NFL news. I think right now we'll watch okay. something break after we yeah turn off the microphones. But... Yeah, yeah, it's, it has been kind of slow today. Normally, uh, you know, because well, Monday was a holiday. You know, um, yeah. or not, Memorial, Memorial Day weekend. Day. Yeah. Not a whole lot came out yesterday, but I think with uh, the NFL, you know, teams probably they finished their OTAs yeah. in the last week, so they probably got a little time off. I don't know if they went right back to OTAs this week, right. but uh, yeah, I we're just in that little dead period for right now. But I mean, the CFL season starts up soon, yeah. regular season, and you know, uh, USFL's winding down, so yeah. and we're kind of in that weird weird period right now where we're waiting for things to start back up. Yeah. All right, well, let's uh, get into this week's history lesson then. And this week, we're going to talk about Steve Young's $40 million lifetime contract that he signed with the USFL. The USFL of the 1980s paid top dollar for the best players coming out of college. They even signed three straight Heisman Trophy winners before they could sign with the NFL. 
running back Herschel Walker, running back Mike Rozier, and quarterback Doug Flutie. Quarterback Steve Young from BYU was another player coming out of college with great potential to be an NFL star. He was the runner-up to Mike Rozier in the 1983 Heisman Trophy voting and projected to be the first overall pick in the 1984 NFL Draft by the Cincinnati Bengals. But on January 4, 1984, Young was selected with the 11th overall pick in the 1984 USFL Draft by the Los Angeles Express. Team owner J. William Oldenburg offered Young the biggest contract ever at the time to a pro football player, a $40 million lifetime contract that would be payable over 43 years. Young was selected later that year by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, not in the regular NFL draft, but with the first overall pick in the 1984 supplemental draft. Young played two seasons in the USFL in 1984 and 1985. In 1984, he led the team to a 10-8 record and won the Pacific Division. He passed for 2,361 yards and 10 touchdowns. He also ran for 515 yards and 7 more touchdowns. In the first round of the playoffs, L.A. hosted the defending USFL champion Michigan Panthers at the L.A. Coliseum. L.A. won the game 27-21 in triple overtime. To this day, it is still the longest pro football game ever played. After neither team scored in the first two 15-minute overtime periods, tailback Mel Gray scored the game-winning touchdown on a 24-yard run at 3 minutes and 33 seconds into the third overtime. The game lasted over four hours. The following week in the semifinal round, L.A. lost to the Arizona Wranglers 35-23. In 1985, Young and the L.A. Express posted a disappointing 3-15 record and did not make the playoffs. When the USFL shut down following the 1985 season, Young signed with the Buccaneers and played for the team in 1985 and 1986. He was then traded to the San Francisco 49ers in 1987 and spent several seasons as the backup to future Hall of Fame quarterback Joe Montana. Young won two Super Bowls with the 49ers as a backup to Montana, and he finally took over the 49ers in 1993 after Montana signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. Young led the team to a victory in Super Bowl XXIX just two years later. He retired as a player following the 1999 season and was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2005. Steve Young only collected about $4.8 million of his original $40 million contract with the LA Express. If the league had continued to play, he would still be receiving checks of over $1 million annually from an annuity through the year 2027 when he would be 65 years old. All in all, I think things worked out okay for Steve Young. Three Super Bowl titles, one Super Bowl MVP, seven Pro Bowls, and induction into the Hall of Fame. Not bad for a player who was once known as the $40 million man. Yeah, this was one that uh, I tried getting you to do for a while now. I'm, I'm glad you finally got around to it. Well, you know, we've, we've been talking a lot about the USFL lately, and uh, did our... Uh, YouTube shorts on uh, some USFL helmets, past and right. present. So it's, we've just been in a USFL mode here. In the ironically, game. the LA Express didn't make either of your lists. Spoiler no, alert. No, it was probably number six on my list. Oh, I probably. Do, I do like their helmet, but uh, there were just some that were better. Yeah. I'm sorry. But yeah, very interesting story. Um, you, you say now, you know, $40 million. I mean, that's not even a signing bonus for nah. some of these guys anymore. But back in, you know, 1984, when this happened, that was 
phenomenal. And, and who knows, like with inflation the way it is now, like I'm sure somebody did the math. It'd probably be yeah. astronomical what it yeah. would be today. Like the equivalent of 40 million back then has probably got to be at least double that now, you think, or maybe at least 60 million, 80, you know, 60, 70 million, maybe. <laughs> That's still a lot. Yeah. All right. Uh, finally today, our upcoming events calendar. Thursday, June 8th, the CFL regular season begins with a game between the Calgary Stampeders and the British Columbia Lions. That's only 16 days away from today. That's one more show, and then yeah. in two shows, it'll be talking about right. that game. Actual, actual uh, uh, games that count yep. for the CFL. Uh, Thursday, August 3rd, the Pro Football Hall of Fame game in Canton, the Cleveland Browns versus the New York Jets. And finally, on our upcoming events calendar, Thursday, September 7th, the NFL regular season begins with our Detroit Lions at those Kansas City Chiefs. It's coming. Yep. Slowly but surely. Yep. All right. Uh, anything else? No, I mean, shoot, still still nothing. It's one of those slow Tuesdays. It sounds like we're going to have a very short show well, for a change. Enjoy the short, uh, the short Tuesday today because they're going to be uh, picking up as uh, yeah. the months going and get we'll get closer to nfl season kick oh yeah i mean with training camp right around the corner too that'll you know things will be picking up we still see i'm waiting for the news to drop and i, I bet you as soon as i say it <laughs> then that news is going to drop as soon as we're done we're still waiting on the hard knocks team mm. they have not unveiled what That's team right. is going to be doing hard knocks yet That's i'm right. i'm a little surprised because that'll start up start of august too so yeah. Well, we got two months. So. Two months, but still, you think they'd be needing some prep time, unless they already know. But man, I'm I'm very curious who it's going to be. They had four. What did we say there was like four teams? I think so. The Jets, Bears, uh, Jets, Bears, Saints, and I can't remember the fourth team. Yeah, you you read them off one day. I yeah, I, I don't have it at the top of my head, but I remember three of the four. Because mm. I remember saying, "Let's just do the Jets." They got Aaron Rodgers. Just pick them. I'm sure that's but, who they'll wind up picking. Yeah. All right, well, that's all the time we've got for this week. If you learned something during this podcast about the incredible amount of diversity that exists in the world of football, then we've done our job. Visit our website at theworldoffootball.com for news, links, upcoming events, original articles, videos, and more. Our email address is info at theworldoffootball.com. You can also like The World of Football on Facebook at TWOF Kalamazoo, or that's facebook.com slash TWF Kalamazoo for those. Uh, you can also follow our Twitter, which is the at symbol TWOF Kalamazoo. New episodes of this podcast are posted on Tuesdays and are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Amazon Music. So simply ask your Alexa device to play the World of Football podcast and you'll hear us in your ear holes. Uh, you can also find the full audio version of this show on our YouTube channel. You just simply search uh, for the World of Football Kalamazoo in your YouTube search bar or use the handle youtube.com slash at the world of football. So please spread the word and subscribe, rate, review, give us a like, leave us a comment, let us know what you think, and please come be a part of the football conversation. You know, on um, uh, Facebook and Twitter, I reposted an article that I did uh, last fall on Sam Dunlap. The mm. uh, the first uh, black player at uh, Western Michigan University, and it was mainly because he was a World War One veteran, and uh, he's buried uh, with a bunch of other veterans in the cemetery here in Kalamazoo, and so I just thought that was appropriate for Veterans Day, and I don't know uh, who was the first person to to retweet that uh, that post, yeah, but I have been getting so many people liking it 
uh, that I've never heard from. You know, the, the people that I'm not familiar with. Yeah. So I think it was, I don't know where the first person found it, but wow, that's really that's Twitter getting, getting a lot of uh, attention from, from people I've never heard of before. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I just, I really like that. Welcome to the internet, Randy. That's how that works. <laughs> Is that how that works? Sometimes, you know, you just throw something out into the wind and it gets picked up by... Well, I haven't had know. that happen before. <laughs> Normally, the stuff I, I put say, out there... I was going to say, blowing your phone up. Yeah, I'll, I'll get, you know, the, the normal group of people that yeah. will respond. They'll like it, or maybe some will retweet some of the stuff I put out there. But, uh, yeah, I'm seeing names and <laughs> faces I've never seen before on That's Twitter. That's Twitter for but you. It's, but it's kind of cool. All right. And remember, folks, some people may love football more than we do, but nobody, and I mean nobody, <laughs> loves more football than we do. Until next time, when we'll try and do a better job, I'm Randy Snow. And uh, funny enough, for those of you out there, all that was part of the script that Randy just read off. Uh, I mean, this is the normal part. I lost part my of... place. <laughs> I looked away, and I looked back, and I lost my place. Well, I just read like, that whole spiel before that, because like, there's only this paragraph, and then the paragraph I read, and then uh, you added this big big paragraph about your article in Twitter. I was just like, dang. Something I just thought about. When did, when did you insert that into the script? Yeah. But I, I'm Adam Snow. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>